big tech internet, the dystopian ministry of information. Today is part two of two on that particular topic right here on the Christian Worldview radio program, where the mission is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to share the gospel that all people who repent and believe in who Christ is and what he did in the cross will be forgiven and receive eternal life in heaven. I'm David Wheaton, the host, and our website is thechristianworldview.org. Well, thanks for joining us this morning for part two of this topic series on big tech internet. We talked about last week the one who is in control— Sorry, the one who controls the information is the one who is in control. And so be informed. Big tech internet companies like Facebook, Google, YouTube, Twitter, and others gather every last bit of information on those who use their platforms so they can market products to you, influence your worldview, and most importantly to them, control society. Now, big tech internet uses their incomprehensible wealth, the richest companies in history of the world, and, and power because money and is power, to influence the political realm, posting, quote, fact-check warnings on content they simply just don't agree with, or feeding news that aligns with their worldview, or not reporting on news that could harm their preferred candidates. For example, this recent Joe Biden crime family corruption scandals before the election. No one covered it except for Tucker Carlson. We'll get into that today. So this weekend in part two, we'll discuss how big tech Internet is and will become an even greater dystopian, not utopian as they, they seek for, but a dystopian ministry of information. That's what communist countries are known to have, a ministry of information, which is just a propaganda arm for leftism leading to the end times and the return of Christ. So if you didn't join us last week, you can hear the program, the first part, on thechristianworldview.org, but just want to do about a three- or four-minute review here, uh, touching on some points from last week. So the first thing we acknowledged last week, that the Internet is not all bad. The Internet and these platforms we're discussing, Facebook, Twitter, these kind of things, can be used for good purposes, and they are being used for good purposes, gospel-proclaiming purposes. The, the Word of God and the Gospel is literally going around the world to places it has never gone before. It's reaching more people probably than it's ever reached before. There are sermons online, church services. You can be at home and you can watch you know, great pastors from all over the world preaching right from your living room. That was never possible before the Internet. And access to information about the Bible is readily available, Bible apps and 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 questions about uh, the Bible and radio programs are all over the internet. So let's let's acknowledge that first. That uh, there's there's potential for good use here of the internet and also bad use. But the reality is, the the internet is used not only for good purposes for but for evil as well. We won't go into it now, but the whole pornography industry in the internet is just gigantic—a multi multi billion dollar industry. You can get all sorts of false philosophies and religion on the internet. Uh, but today I want to talk about the information side of it, just the, the, the congealing of information, the coalescing of information on the internet. We've never had more information now than at any time in history. I've heard it's like it's compounding so quickly how much information we have and how much information we have access to. 
You know, if God is omniscient, that means he knows all. And man is always trying to become like God. So this is what the Internet people who run the Internet are trying to do. They're trying to become like God and have all the data and all the information on everyone because the voice of the Internet, of these big tech companies, the voice that reaches the most people controls what the topic is, what people are talking about, and how that topic should be viewed. So they're not going to capture everyone, of course, but when you capture a majority of the billions of people in the world and influence and you have power over the way they think and what they're to think about, that is a whole lot of power. Now, I mentioned last week that I watched this program, this docudrama, they called it, called The Social Dilemma. It's, uh, it, I think it was on Netflix, and uh, we just did like a uh, short subscription just to be able to see this particular docudrama, which had been recommended to me by a couple of different people. They said, you got to see this, just about the power of the Internet. So we watched it, and uh, you can probably search for it online and, and watch it as well. And the film, according to Wikipedia, just to give a description of it, features interviews with many former employees, executives, and other professionals from top tech companies like Google and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Pinterest and all these companies who provide firsthand experience of working in and around the tech industry. And uh, we played a a soundbite from the film uh, early in the program last week about how there was an employee, uh, I think he was in the ethics department of all places at Google, and he began to see that the, the all the power and influence that these social media companies had, and he, he described it as 25 to 50 white guys in California were basically influencing billions of people around the world by content they were they were feeding them, by information they were gathering from them. And he got sort of concerned about this. He thought, you know, this, this doesn't seem like a good idea. This seems like it's going to be used for nefarious purposes. And he, he put this presentation together, and he's going to tell you about it here in a second, and it just went nowhere. So here's – and he was this guy was featured prominently in the film. His name is Tristan Harris, former Google design ethics, ethicist makes this presentation to Google, which is one of the largest of these companies. And here was the response. You know, I really struggled to try and figure out how from the inside we could change it. And that was when I decided to make a presentation, kind of a call to arms. It it basically just said, you know, never before in history have 50 designers, 20 to 35 year old white guys in California, made decisions that would have an impact on 2 billion people. 2 billion people will have thoughts that they didn't intend to have because a designer at Google said, this is how notifications work on that screen that you wake up to in the morning. And we have a moral responsibility as Google for solving this problem. And I sent this presentation to about 15, 20 of my closest colleagues at Google. I was very nervous about it. I mean, I wasn't sure I was gonna land. When I went to work the next day, most of the laptops had the presentation open. Later that day, there was like 400 simultaneous viewers, and so it just kept growing and growing. I got emails from all around the company. I mean, people in every department saying, I totally agree. I see this affecting my kids. I see this affecting the people around me. We have to do something about this. I felt like I was sort of launching a revolution or something like that. Later, I found out Larry Page had been notified about this presentation in three separate meetings that day. 
And so it created this kind of cultural moment that Google needed to take seriously. And then nothing. Mm-hmm. So at least there was one reflective person at Google thinking, hmm, boy, we have all this information about everyone in the world. We're influencing 2 billion people, and there's only about 25 to 35, as he called them, white guys. I don't care what color of their skin is. It doesn't matter what that is, but 25 to 35 people in Silicon Valley, California, developing these platforms that billions of people are using, and they have the power to, to shape them and move them. And he thought, we need to... Uh, have some self-reflection here, and it went absolutely nowhere. And, and the reason is there's, there's too much money to be made and there's too much control to be had. People don't give that up easily. So we also talked about last week how, how the Internet, big tech Internet, is different from this regular mainstream media, whether it's newspapers or television. I mean, it's similar. They're, the mainstream media is feeding you information, but big tech Internet is vastly more powerful. I mean, the media, mainstream media, doesn't know about you. They're just sending you information. Big tech, internet, knows almost everything about you, what what content you like to read and watch and what your worldview is, what you post, what you like. And, of course, that can be used for monetary gain through advertising. We'll get into that in a minute. But it can also be used to silence you or persecute you once they know about you and you're using their platforms. They can just throttle you down or, or disconnect you from... Uh, your their platform, or they can feed you information to sway you away from your viewpoints as well. So when when you journal your life on Facebook, for instance, and you post pictures, and most importantly to them, whenever you click that like button on Facebook after reading a post or an article or see a picture, you're just letting Facebook know what you like. And Facebook keeps record of everything you do on their platform. Absolutely everything. So they have a huge data storage about you. Now, this isn't some person at Facebook probably doing this. This is the way they've designed their artificial intelligence and the algorithms it runs on. We talked about that leak. So you may still be able to choose what you want to read and watch when you go to these social media sites. But just know they're also feeding you what they want you to read and watch or not to read and watch nudging you along so they can move society according to their dystopian vision, even to the point of who you vote for. So the five points of this social dilemma docudrama um, that they brought out in this film was, number one, that the social dilemma, the, the big tech Internet, has a exploitive, uh, exploiting its users for financial gain through surveillance capitalism and data mining. And we talked about last week, we won't go into this much, but it was, it's the perfect way to, to advertise because this isn't a shotgun approach. This isn't putting a mailer in everyone's mailbox. Um, you know, let's say you're trying to sell, uh, you know, tires or something. You know, some people may not be interested in tires, so why send them a, a mailer? Uh, but they know who's interested in buying new tires for their car, uh, and so because of maybe what you've searched online and so they can an, an advertising company like Goodyear will come along and say, we want to we want to target those people who have expressed interest in buying tires. So then therefore, boom, you get an ad that follows you all over the Internet. You probably noticed that before you search for something you're interested in buying. And all of a sudden you go to some different website three days later and you're seeing pictures for uh, you know tires for your car. You think, well, I, I searched for that three days ago on a, on a, on a store. 
Now, how is it following me around to a different website? Well, that's just a simple way that they've they've kept the track of the data of where you've been searching around. And now an advertiser has paid Google or Facebook to have that ad follow you around on the Internet and giving you them a much better chance of you actually purchasing that. So that advertiser pays Google and Facebook. This is how they make their vast wealth, is that advertisers will pay for what one of our uh, soundbites said last week, that the perfect way to advertise. It's not a shotgun approach where many BBs go out and hit, you know, not a very targeted approach. This is a single bullet approach that goes to people who are expressly, have already shown interest or have uh, have, have expressed uh, the, the Internet that they have interest in these these products. So big tech Internet uses this uh, this information uh, for capitalism and data mining. That's number one. The second point they brought out in the film is how the design of these platforms, Google, Facebook, Twitter, are meant to nurture an addiction. And basically they do it through they keep feeding you content after they learn about you. They keep feeding you content you're interested in and that they know that they found out from your browsing history. And they know if they can keep on feeding you the kind of content you're interested in, they can keep you engaged online for longer. And then when you're on there for longer, they can market more products from you, and they can also influence you more. I mean, this is the, the basic way of any way a relationship deepens. You spend more time with someone, and you communicate more with someone, you're going to be closer. And this is exactly what big tech Internet does. Spend more time with us, communicate more with us, tell us more about yourself in seemingly innocuous ways, and then they have you addicted to their platforms. We'll come back. We'll talk more about big tech Internet right here on the Christian Real View after this. Who is George Soros and what does he believe? Are you religious? No. Do you believe in God? No. Soros told the independent newspaper in Great Britain, it is a sort of disease when you consider yourself some kind of God, the creator of everything but I feel comfortable about it now since I began to live it out. Soros spends his billions to transform America into godless socialism. Be informed about him and the organizations he funds by ordering this George Soros resource bundle, which includes a 60-minute DVD, 60-page book, and 16-page follow-the-money chart and guide for a donation of $50 or more to the Christian Worldview. To order, call 1-888-646-2233. Or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Or visit thechristianworldview.org. That's thechristianworldview.org. The Bible says that children should be raised in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. There's nothing more important than sitting, walking, talking, and teaching your son or daughter to love and fear God. The church is swimming in children's resources, But it's ultra important to select ones that accurately represent God, His Word, and the Gospel. At our store on thechristianworldview.org, we are intentional about offering resources that will build a sound and strong faith in children. You will find several Bibles for children, the Adam Raccoon book series, and Good News for Little Hearts series. We also have video and audio resources like Theo and Sugar Creek Gang Browse them all at thechristianworldview.org and then use them daily with the child God has put in your life. That's thechristianworldview.org.
thanks for joining us today on the Christian Worldview radio program. We're talking about big tech internet part two today, the dystopian ministry of information, how it's going to be used, no doubt, in the end times. Uh, the year-end letter for those who subscribe to it should be uh, coming to your mailbox, I would say, probably this week. So look for that. Also, if you don't, if you're not on the email, the, uh, the mailing list, you can just go to our website. It's posted there as well. It's in our email distribution list that goes out on Fridays. So you can take part in that and see the the uh, end-of-the-year letter and the resource guide and all those different things. And uh, we just so much appreciate your considering support of this nonprofit listener-supported ministry here at the end of the year. Okay, so we've talked about this Social Dilemma movie, how they brought out uh, how the social media is used for financial gain through gathering information and then targeting you with advertising. There's really, really nothing morally wrong with that. It's just an effective way of doing that. That's how they got so rich. Number two, how its design is meant to nurture an addiction. And that that's so obvious. You look at people now, you know, go anywhere and people are just heads are down staring at their their cell phones all the time. And this is particularly troubling for younger people because it just they, you know, they're sitting at a table and they're texting each other at a table. Um, you, they're, they're losing the, the age-old human-human conversation contact and everything's done through text message or otherwise on the Internet. And uh, this really, really fosters a deep addiction. I won't get into the play the soundbite again, but even the, the president of Pinterest was saying he'd come home from work and he'd be in his pantry just on online and searching around when his family was in the other room. And he's thinking, what am I doing? I can't. They, they develop these addictive uh, platforms and they know how to overcome human nature. And so people are, are almost, you know, feel the powerless to be able to keep away from the notifications they're constantly sending you, um, the news feeds that are coming into your phone all the time. I mean, when your phone beeps, you know, it's, it's, it's hard as a human not to look at it. Oh, someone's conscious, like someone knocking at your door. You know, do you not knock or the, not, do you not answer the door? Of course you do. So this is what they know, and this is how they, they leverage it to gain information and power. But then the third point is, well, we'll start getting to new ground today is how so big tech Internet is used to sway political movements. And all these big tech companies are, are leftist in worldview. And it's a good question. Why? Well, likely because they have gone to the universities and, and grad schools uh, that are always, you know, almost uniformly leftist. And so their, their worldview has been swayed. They believe and they don't believe in God. So they believe in humanism and do-goodism. Uh, they believe they can create a utopian world. And so in, in order to gain that, that vision for the future, they use their power, their, their, their control over the Internet to, to throttle down conservative content on the, on the Internet, conservative opinions or Christian content, anything that goes against the prevailing worldview, what they believe is right, uh, by cutting accounts, putting out you know, uh, fact-checked warnings on elections and so forth. So that's a good example of this. Every time you'll notice someone posts something on Facebook regarding election fraud, Facebook already puts a warning right after the post about the truth about the election. Same with Twitter, saying there's no evidence of of fraud in the election. So they're immediately nipping it in the bud. So if you just if you're kind of like, eh, well, I think there might be some fraud and it sounds like some things are fishy, they immediately try to correct the record according to what they believe. 
And this bleeds into, by the way, the mainstream media is now joining with the Internet because so many of the newspapers have their newspapers online as well. And I read that, that headline last week from the Minneapolis Star Tribune, how there, there, there's no longer any sort of even attempt uh, to, to present news without bias, but everything is biased, even in the way they headline and they byline and they write the article. So the, the Strib headline, the Star Tribune headline was, in video, Trump recycles unsubstantiated voter fraud claims. So right there, it's unsubstantiated. You know, instead of just saying Trump makes voter fraud claims, they have to say recycles, which is kind of a pejorative. It's kind of saying that it's, it's you're just doing something over again, unsubstantiated. You get into the by, you get into the byline, the description of the story. And this was online. I saw this increasingly detached from reality. Another biased opinion. President Donald Trump stood before a White House lectern and delivered a 46 minute diatribe. There's another negative descriptor against the election results that produced a win for Democrat Joe Biden. Push up our guy, Democrat Joe Biden unspooling one misstatement after another to back his baseless claim that he really won. That's just a perfect example of what the Internet does now. They, they, these, this, this, especially the younger generation, they, there's, no, there's no attempt to be uh, sort of unbiased and just report what Donald Trump did, that he, he, he's, he's challenging the election results. That's the way they should have written it. And then let the reader or listener decide uh, what, what conclusion they come to. Now, they're going to force you, or at least try to force you, to come to a particular conclusion about election fraud. And, of course, then that's how they cover that story, but then they also have the power to not cover another story. So if you were paying attention before the election, you know that the huge story came out that was not covered by anyone uh, about Joe Biden basically has a crime family. He and his brother and and Joe Biden's son, Hunter, they've been in these business dealings in China and the Ukraine and Tucker... um, Hunter was on the boards of these companies. The son was making all just hundreds of thousands of dollars and so forth uh, with no experience in these fields. It was clearly a, um, you know, a a, a influence for money situation. um, And no one covered it. Big tech Internet didn't cover it because it would hurt their guy. And that's exactly what it said in this particular uh, docudrama didn't talk about that one, but they always talk about it in different terms, not against Democrats, but about big tech's ability to control the movement of people through elections. We in the tech industry have created the tools to destabilize and erode the fabric of society in every country all at once everywhere. You have this in Germany, Spain, France, Brazil, Australia, some of the most developed nations in the world are now imploding on each other, and what do they have in common? Knowing what you know now, do you believe Facebook impacted the results of the 2016 election? Oh, that's, that is hard. Um, you know, it's the, the reality is, well, there are so many different forces at play. Representatives from Facebook, Twitter, and Google are back on Capitol Hill for a second day of testimony about Russia's interference in the 2016 election. You see how they, the, the, the docudrama, the social dilemma is always it's slanted toward liberalism. There's a liberal worldview, so it's always about, you know, Russia influenced the election through Facebook. They're blaming Russia for getting, having Trump elected and so forth. They're, they're kind of making the same point I am, but the opposite way. I, I'm saying now that they influence so much of, they, they promote their guy so much and, and throttle down any other dissenting opinion. So it has a big effect on 
on elections and, and political movements and so forth. We'll get into more of that with the election fraud situation in a second. But the fourth thing they brought out in the in the film is that big tech's Internet, its effect on, on mental health, including the the mental health of adolescents uh, in, in the rising suicide rates. And for people who are, let's say, are older than, let's say, 40 years old, it's probably hard to uh, relate to the fact that you know we all grew up uh, not having a cell phone. I don't think I got a cell phone until I was in my 20s, so I didn't grow up with a smartphone or the Internet. I think when I went to college, I didn't even have a computer. They had like a computer room where you could go to like a type of paper. Um, so anyone under 35 or 40 likely grew up not like that, though. They grew up with the Internet and a smartphone. Uh, most younger people and probably most adults uh, have, have really don't have the ability or, or the, I guess, the discipline or whatever to, to handle the amount of control and influence these social uh, media companies have. And meanwhile, everyone posts, you know, on Facebook and other social media sites, uh, um, Instagram and so forth. Everyone posts their their perfect life online. No one shows the bad part about themselves, of course. And so they post themselves on vacation or doing these great things and so forth. And, you know, other people are watching it. And it's probably not intentional, but it makes other people feel like, oh, my life isn't like that. And so it, it leads to uh, a mental health problems. Uh, and and raises in, in suicide. As a matter of fact, they covered this in the in the documentary. I'll just play a short soundbite from that. There has been a gigantic increase in depression and anxiety for American teenagers, which began right around between 2011 and 2013. The number of teenage girls out of 100,000 in this country who are admitted to a hospital every year because they cut themselves or otherwise harm themselves. That number was pretty stable until around 2010, 2011, and then it begins going way up. It's up 62% for older teen girls. It's up 189% for the preteen girls. That's nearly triple. Even more horrifying, we see the same pattern with suicide. The older teen girls, 15 to 19 years old, they're up 70% compared to the first decade of the century. The preteen girls, who have very low rates to begin with, they are up 151%. And that pattern points to social media. Gen Z, the kids born after 1996 or so, those kids are the first generation in history that got on social media in middle school. How do they spend their time? They come home from school and they're on their devices. A whole generation is more anxious, more fragile, more depressed. They're much less comfortable taking risks. The rates at which they get driver's licenses have been dropping. The number who have ever gone out on a date or had any kind of romantic interaction is dropping rapidly. This is a real change in a generation. And remember, for every one of these, for every hospital admission, there's a family that is traumatized and horrified. My God, what is happening to our kids? Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, truly, truly a time to call out to God for some of these families like he expressed there at the end, although he wasn't using it in a reverent way. But uh, we've seen the addiction and we've seen these different things taking place. We'll come back and get to the final point, which is probably the most important one. So what is the basis for truth if the Internet's trying to control it? More coming up on The Christian Real View. 
David Wheaton here, host of The Christian Worldview. For over 15 years, our mission has been to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We pursue that mission on air through radio programs, in person hosting events, and online through audio, video, and print resources. We are an all-volunteer ministry, but have monthly operating expenses, the most significant being the cost of airtime on the station, website, or app on which you hear the radio program. We are looking for monthly partners so that each station or website is supported by its own listeners. The level of financial support for a given outlet is a key decision point whether we continue paying to broadcast there. To become a monthly partner of any amount, call us toll-free 1-888-646-2233 or visit thechristianworldview.org. Thank you for listening to and supporting The Christian Worldview. There's an abundance of Christian resources available, but the reality is that many of them, even some of the most popular, do not lead to a sound and strong faith. While there's only one perfect book, a key aim of the Christian worldview is to identify and offer resources that are biblically faithful and deepen your walk with God. In our online store, we have a wide range of resources for all ages, adult and children's books and DVDs, Bibles and devotionals, unique gifts, and more. So browse our store at thechristianworldview.org and find enriching resources for yourself, family, friends, small group, or church. You can also order by calling toll-free 1-888-646-2233. That's 1-888-646-2233. Or visit thechristianworldview.org. Thanks for joining us today here on the Christian Worldview Radio Program, where the aim is to think biblically and live accordingly. We're trying to do that as we discuss big tech internet, these big tech internet companies like Google and Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and Instagram and others that are incredibly rich and incredibly powerful and influential, controlling millions or billions of people around the world and where this is all going. And we were talking about this, this docudrama called The Social Dilemma, which is not a doesn't come from a conservative standpoint at all, uh, as you'll see from this last point that they brought out in the, in the film. Fifth point they brought out is uh, social media's role in spreading, quote, conspiracy theories and aiding groups such as flat earthers. Okay, so that's what they're worried about, conspiracy theories such as flat earthers. Again, they're seeing it from the exact uh, humanistic point of view. In other words, what are we going to do about those people who don't align with our worldview? How are we going to keep them from influencing people the wrong way? And so they talked about in the the film, they brought up a, 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 the, the bottom line point is, you know, who has who has the foundation for the truth? Who has the basis? Who has the corner on the truth? Here's what they say in this soundbite. Do we want this system for sale to the highest bidder? For democracy to be completely for sale, where you can reach any mind you want, target a lie to that specific population and create culture wars? Do we want that? We are a nation of people that no longer speak to each other. 
We are a nation of people who have stopped being friends with people because of who they voted for in the last election. We are a nation of people who have isolated ourselves to only watch channels that tell us that we're right. My message here today is that tribalism is ruining us. It is tearing our country apart. It is no way for sane adults to act. If everyone's entitled to their own facts, there's really no need for compromise, no need for people to come together. In fact, there's really no need for people to interact. We need to have some shared understanding of reality. Otherwise, we aren't a country. You're allowing the technologists to frame this as a problem that they are equipped to solve. That is, that's a lie. People talk about AI as if it will know truth. AI is not going to solve these problems. AI cannot solve the problem of fake news. Google doesn't have the option of saying, oh, is this conspiracy? Is this truth? Because they don't know what truth is. They don't have a, they don't have a proxy for truth that's better than a click. If we don't agree on what is true, or that there is such a thing as truth, we're toast. This is the problem beneath other problems, because if we can't agree on what's true, then we can't navigate out of any of our problems. Mm -mm, very, very interesting soundbite there. If we can't agree on what's true, how do we know what the basis for truth is? As Pilate said to Jesus, what is truth, right? What is the truth? How do we know the truth? We see, uh, for instance, um, today we see all this these allegations of election fraud. You you watch on one channel or certain internet sites. Um, it's you know there's election fraud all over the place. Look at these allegations. Here's sworn affidavits. Here's videos. You see this in one one place, another place, the mainstream places. Uh, election fraud is considered quote a conspiracy theory. So who's right? What who gets to s decide on? What is truth? And this is where big tech internet is the dystopian ministry of information. They, they get to, they, they try to play the, the, the truth basis, the truth foundation in, in these questions. So if you believe that there's election fraud, you need to have a, a warning put after your, your, your post, uh, and you need to be throttled down, you need to be canceled and so forth, and we need to kind of root you out because you're causing destabilization in, in culture wars. Now, speaking of this election fraud allegations in this last presidential election, I got an email this week from Chris Barden, who ran for the attorney general of Minnesota, I believe in 2016. He's a lawyer. He's a conservative. So I'm going to give you his take. Uh, he sends these out regularly uh, about political things. And he talked to give an updated summary of what was taking place uh, through yesterday, December 11th. He said 39 states have now filed on either side of the Supreme Court election fraud case. So some are for it, some are against it. Uh, Texas made this case saying that the, the, the change of mail-in ballot system is, is unconstitutional and they can't do this. This disenfranchises voters. It's ripe for fraud and so forth. 106 uh, Republican congressional officials from the House and the Senate have joined that suit. Now, that particular case, just last yesterday, the late afternoon, the Supreme Court denied even hearing the case that Texas and other states brought forward to saying that they can't, you can't change the rules of how people vote unless it's done through state legislators. You can't do it through executive order. And so Barden writes that the media are engaged in a truly ominous 
Stalinist-like effort to suppress evidence of election fraud. Here's another big tech internet company. YouTube is shutting down and changing links to videos on YouTube documenting clear election fraud. And by the way, even though that's that's not a good thing to do, this is a private company, and so they can do that. Of course, it's not you know it's not there's no guarantee of free speech, but you should know that when you when you start using these platforms and and trying to influence. So just realize you're at their mercy on their private platform to be able to turn you off whenever you don't agree with the the line. He goes on to say a growing tsunami of evidence of election fraud. Uh, proves criminal misconduct in the in the corrupt corners of Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Arizona. The evidence of massive, coordinated, pre-planned voter fraud is overwhelming and growing daily, according to Barden. Uh, the U.S. faces a growing crisis of legitimacy for the election of 2020. The media uh, efforts to ban all news on the election steal has not worked. There is witness tens- uh, testimony in Pennsylvania. Arizona, Michigan, additional legislative hearings in Wisconsin, in the U.S. Senate and other venues, security camera of Georgia election videos sending the GOP observers home and then remaining and bringing out suitcases of bogus ballots and scanning them in for seven, for over several hours. 18,000 one location. Uh, video where a Georgia election supervisor shows off the remarkable ease with which Dominion voting systems machines permit the user to count blank ballots or flip votes or revote ballots over and over and over again, manipulate entire batches of ballots, changing them into votes for all at will and instantly on these, these electronic voting machines. And then multiple analysis by experts from MIT, Harvard, international analysis, uh, analysts and others looking at historical data versus election data from 2020, proving to any rational mind that Biden's alleged win is quite impossible. In other words, he got the most votes. I think it was 80 million votes. He got more votes than any president in, in history of this country. Trump upped his vote total, but Biden got more than anyone in history. And this is a man who hardly even campaigned, who couldn't have big campaign events. He'd blame it on COVID, of course. But there's just no way. They look at all these statistical analysis, and there's just no way beyond the, 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 the reasonability of fraud that he was able to get this much. Uh, Sidney Powell, the attorney, uh, formerly an attorney on the Trump team, said the election of 2020 was a cyber Pearl Harbor. We know that a $400 million payment came into Dominion Smartmatic voting systems from China only a few weeks before the election. We also have evidence of exactly how they flipped the votes, how it was designed to flip the votes, and that it all happened just as we have been saying. Final thing is a quote by Rush Limbaugh. If the election fraud succeeds, I actually think that America will trend towards secessions. There cannot be peaceful coexistence of two completely different theories of life and theories of government. So I just read to you there the perspective of those, someone like Rush Limbaugh, Sidney Powell. These aren't marginal folks uh, alleging widespread voting fraud that either did or influenced, flipped this particular past presidential election. Now, you go to Big Tech Internet, and you post any of this stuff on there, and they'll give you a completely, or go to MSNBC or any of these other companies, and they're going to give you a completely different version of truth. And that's really what it comes down to. How do you know what the truth is? Who do you trust to give you the truth? 
And it's great news as believers that we know what the truth is in the in the Word of God. But how do you know what the truth is when, in, in a particular instance like this, when one side's alleging, alleging widespread voter fraud and the other side's either throttling it down or not even covering it at all? So as you think about this this battle for truth, this this final point made in the in this uh, social dilemma film, you realize that there are just huge implications here for the end times and how this big tech internet is going to be used. I'm just going to start this soundbite and we'll play the rest after the final break of the day, but it gets into the fact that why it's such an existential threat to the world. A lot of people in Silicon Valley subscribe to some kind of theory that we're building some global super brain and all of our users are just interchangeable little neurons, no one of which is important. And it subjugates people into this weird role where you're just like this little computing element that we're programming through our behavior manipulation for the service of this giant brain and you don't matter you're not going to get paid you're not going to get acknowledged you don't have self-determination we'll sneakily just manipulate you because you're a computing node so we need to program you because that's what you do with computing nodes when you think about technology and it being an existential threat that's a big claim and it's easy to then in your mind think, okay, so there I am with the phone, scrolling, clicking, using it. Like, where's the existential threat? Okay, there's the supercomputer, the other side of the screen, pointed at my brain. Got me to watch one more video. Where's the existential threat? It's not about the technology being the existential threat. It's the technology's ability to bring out the worst in society. Hmm. Okay, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll finish the rest of that soundbite and get into the implications of how big tech Internet is going to be used in the end times and how you can navigate the Internet. Who is George Soros and what does he believe? Are you religious? No. Do you believe in God? No. Soros told the independent newspaper in Great Britain, it is a sort of disease when you consider yourself some kind of God the creator of everything. But I feel comfortable about it now since I began to live it out. Soros spends his billions to transform America into godless socialism. Be informed about him and the organizations he funds by ordering this George Soros resource bundle, which includes a 60-minute DVD, 60-page book, and 16-page follow-the-money chart and guide for a donation of $50 or more to the Christian worldview. To order, call one 888 Six four six twenty two thirty three, or write to Box four zero one, Excelsior, Minnesota five five three three one, or visit thechristianworldview.org. That's thechristianworldview.org. Be sure to take advantage of two free resources that will keep you informed and sharpen your worldview. The first is the Christian Worldview Weekly Email, which comes to your inbox each Friday. It contains a preview of the upcoming radio program, along with need-to-read articles, featured resources, special events, and audio of the previous program. The second is the Christian Worldview Annual Print Letter, which is delivered to your mailbox in November. It contains a year-end letter from host David Wheaton and a listing of our store items, including DVDs, books, children's materials, and more. You can sign up for the weekly email and annual print letter by visiting thechristianworldview.org or calling 1-888-646-2233. Your email and mailing address will never be shared, and you can unsubscribe at any time. 
Call 1-888-646-2233 or visit thechristianworldview.org. Final segment here on our two-part series on Big Tech Internet's influence, the dystopian ministry of information. If you missed any of the programs, I encourage you to go to our website, thechristianrealview.org, uh, to hear these programs, and all of our other programs are archived there for free. You can also sign up for our free podcast. We have all sorts of resources there that you can uh, you can purchase or donate to to get a free resource. Um, and we just so much appreciate your support here as we come toward the end of the year. We're a all-volunteer, listener-supported ministry, and so we uh, so much appreciate the support and monthly partnership of so many of you keeping this program on the air. Let's get to that soundbite before we get into some of the implications for the end times. And one of the executives interviewed in this film, The Social Dilemma, was talking about what's the existential threat. And the worst in society being the existential threat. If technology creates mass chaos, outrage, incivility, lack of trust in each other, loneliness, alienation, more polarization, more election hacking, more populism, more distraction and inability to focus on the real issues, that's just society. (laughs) And now society is incapable of healing itself and just devolving into a kind of chaos. It's interesting how they see the existential threat as basically conservatives and Christians. You know, election hacking. Well, <laughs> that that was against Trump or things uh, conspiracy theories. Uh, these are always attributed to to Christians and conservatives and, and and so forth. So they they see it exactly the opposite way they should be seeing. They should be saying let's allow more free speech. Uh, let's allow more views to be heard, but they want to control the views so they can have all in, the, all in the name of a safe and secure society. So big tech Internet, as this becomes more and more controlling and is so controlling now, will no doubt be the most powerful tool of the future Antichrist that, that is described in Revelation as we near uh, the end times of history. He's, he's going to know because he has, he's going to have power over these, these companies. He's going to know everything about everyone. He's going to have all the data. And everything is based on the internet now. You know, the, we, we, everything banking, everything financially is done online. We're going to, or I'm sure, we're going to be going to a cashless society coming up. Uh, I, after all, holding you know paper bills and, and coins in your hand that's that's uh, dirty, and you could get the virus that way. So there's a good excuse to get rid of that. And there's always a a level of convenience for all these things to go to to go fully online. There'll be chips implanted in you for for purchasing things. It's more secure after all. You can have your health records uh, on your little chip in your hand. That's really good because you don't need to lose a, an ID or have to go to a hospital and have them pulled up on their own computer. It can be right on your person. So it's much more it's much safer and security it's for your health that everything's done online and these big tech uh, companies control all this data. There's no language barriers. Remember the Tower of Babel? That was the big, that's why they spread apart across the world. Well, the, 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 the programs now uh, online can just translate what you're saying to someone on the other end, and they speak a completely different language. So the, 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 the barrier of language is, is being broken down. Reality can be altered. Uh, vert through virtual reality and holograms, you can deceive people so easily, make someone look like someone speaking in a place where they're not even located. 
Um, you know, and then, of course, since they have all this information, they, they know all about those who have posted anything online who doesn't have, doesn't share their prevailing humanistic worldview. And I think when it talks about in Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, when, about Christ's return, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. I think when it says that, if, if that's truly literal, that every eye is going to see his return, which I probably think it is, I think possibly the Internet is going to be the way they do so. Everyone's got these smartphones. You can look videos and live television right now from anywhere on your phone. So I think that probably has a, a part uh, in seeing the return of Christ. So what do we do? How do we navigate the Internet? Well, you can try to avoid it completely, but it's very difficult to do because everything's based on the Internet now. You can get rid of your cell phone if you want, but again, it's hard to navigate society nowadays because if you want to communicate with someone or make a reservation or do something, you know, people don't have landlines anymore. Everything's a cell phone based. Everything's Internet based. And there's some sort of great reset. That's a topic we'll talk on about coming up on the program one of these weeks. But there's some sort of great reset that's trying to be used for this whole pandemic taking place right now. And the Internet is going to be a big part of it. So just a couple recommendations that I thought of after watching this social dilemma thing. First of all, realize that everything you do online is being watched and recorded by big tech. Okay, just realize that. But it's not only being watched and recorded by big tech. More importantly, it's being watched and recorded by God. So realize that you have a greater accountability to God than you even do uh, to big de- big tech. Uh, never quote, push the like button on anything. I would never do that. Why let them know what you like? Why is it important for someone to push a like button, a like button on Facebook? That just gives them more data about you. Number three, never post anything controversial, uh, dot, 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 that you're not willing to die for. In other words... Anything you post on there, you need to be able to say, this is something I'm willing to lose my job for, I'm willing to die for, I'm willing to be thrown in jail for. So just don't post anything um, beyond things that are very, very serious and that, that you would that, that are part of you and that you would be willing to die on that hill for. Um, number four, careful what websites you visit. That will be used against you. They have your browsing history. No matter how much you think they, they don't, they do. Turn off most notifications because notifications is, again, just someone knocking on your door that grabs your attention. Maybe take a day of rest from the Internet each week. That's something I'd like to start doing at some point, getting away from my phone for for one day a week. And get your news from many alternate sources, not just the mainstream sources, because you're going to get a uniform worldview if you get your news from the same types uh, of websites all the time. And then finally, and most importantly, Realize that the only truth, as we were talking about earlier, who's the basis for truth? The only truth truth we know for sure comes from the Word of God. John 14, 6, one of the most powerful uh, professions of Christ that he makes. Christ says, I am the way and the truth in the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus Christ is the truth. If you're trying to figure out the truth, he is the truth. And then again, in Matthew 24, it talks about... Uh, Christ is talking about the end of times. He says, immediately after the tribulation, the seven-year period of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heaven will be shaken. Verse 30, and then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn 
And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and with great glory. Skipping ahead, truly I say to you, Jesus said, this generation, that generation, that time will not pass away until all these things take place. Verse 35, key verse, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Christian, we have a foundation for truth. We may not be able to know always the full truth on little issues of elections and that kind of thing, although the evidence seems pretty clear, but we know the bigger truth of who God is, our Creator, who we are. We're sinners and separated from God. The good news of God sending His Son, Jesus, to pay the penalty that we deserve to pay for our sins so that if we repent and believe in Him, we would be forgiven, receive eternal life, and know the truth. And so until next time, think biblically and live accordingly. We hope today's broadcast turned your heart toward God, His Word, and His Son. To order a CD copy of today's program or sign up for our free weekly email or to find out how you can be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, go to our website, thechristianworldview.org or call us toll-free at 1-888-646-2233. The Christian Worldview is a weekly one-hour radio program that is furnished by the Overcomer Foundation and is supported by listeners and sponsors. Request one of our current resources with your donation of any amount. Go to thechristianworldview.org or call us toll-free at 1-888-646-2233 or write to us at Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. That's Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Thanks for listening to The Christian Worldview. Until next time, think biblically and live accordingly.